At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The following is an exclusive presentation of the Carolina Panthers and the National Football League. Yeah! Touchdown! This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Snap, fires downfield, Tommy trebles open, makes the catch, touchdown, Panthers! We come in here every day, we're professionals, and our name is on this, so, you know, we're going to go out and do everything we can to turn this thing around and win football games. And uh, again, I can't be uh, more excited and proud of a group of men than I am those guys in that locker room. And now, along with Jim Zoki and Eugene Robinson, here's Anish Shroff with Panther Talk. Live from the Panthers broadcast facility at Bank of America Stadium. It is amazing how one win can sometimes change the optics, change the trajectory of a season. The Panthers dominated the Bucks on Sunday, 21-3. I want to come straight to you, Jim, because you've seen more of these games than anybody else. There was something totally different here, yeah. right? I mean, nobody on the outside gave Carolina a chance, and they dominated. Tells you Vegas doesn't always know what's going on. <laughs> you know that's right. 13-point <laughs> underdogs in this game, and you had the, the GOAT, right? Tom Brady's coming in. Panthers uh, prohibited uh, underdogs in this game. But that's, as they say, on any given Sunday and why you play the game, there's a reason why those cliches exist. Yeah, let's bring in head coach Steve Wilkes. And, and, and coach, you know, the external noise is different than what goes on inside the locker room. What has kept this team together these last few weeks? Uh, I just think, you know, really the foundation that we created uh, when I first took over. You know, I challenged those guys to uh, act like champions. And that, that acronym is, is about accountability, commitment, and trust. And we just talk about that every day, about, you know, you know, laying a brick, laying a good foundation and believing one another, believing the process. Uh, those guys go out each and every day, man, and they try to perfect their craft. And I kept telling them that we're close. You know, don't give up. Keep chopping wood. And, uh, you know, it was great to see those guys going through a week that they went through with all this adversity. Uh, pull together and come out and have a solid game in all three phases. Coach, they say that uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. And me and Anish, we were talking about that earlier. So, given that's true, what did you learn from the Rams game offensively that propelled you in the this game this past week? What did you learn that you that was so effective in this week? Well, I, I think number one, and even though we didn't win on the scoreboard, I felt like we had won up front, and uh, that was going to allow us to be able to, you know, build that foundation. As I said, it starts up front on the offense and defensive line, and we dominated that first half 
uh, with like, I believe it was 70 something yards rushing and just really controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, didn't push the ball down the field. We felt like, you know, trying to get it on the perimeter, a little bit of play action was going to help. Uh, but I felt coming to this game that we were going to continue to do that. And then the spinoff was going to be trying to push it down the field, which we did on the first play of the game. And uh, I thought PJ did a phenomenal job just really uh, orchestrating the offense, you know, getting us in the right checks. And uh, when he pushed the ball down the field, man, he had a lot of accuracy yesterday. And you uh, paraphrasing you, you, you talked about to your team about taking a leap, taking a, a jump outside of PJ in that passing game. Where did your team take the biggest jump in the past week in terms of its improvement? Well, I, I think really when you look at what happened in that running back room, mm. you know, uh, you, 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 you lose one of your marquee players uh, through trade. And, you know, those guys in that room didn't blink. You know, uh, nobody on his team blinked, and they believed in one another. Uh, and, you know, Eugene, I tell you, there's opportunities every week in this league, and that's what guys look for. And, you know, Foreman and, and Chuba, uh, they stepped up, man, and really, you know, responded to the uh, the challenge. Coach, on the offensive line, Bradley Bozeman gets the start. Um, Eugene and I were just saying we didn't say Vita Vea's name a whole lot on the air on Sunday, which is a good thing. What impact did Bozeman have up front for you? Uh, he, he does a great job just really with his communication, him and Austin up front, and, uh, you know, just working with um, Brad, Brad as well. Uh, I thought those guys, uh, Brady, I'm sorry, I thought those guys did a great job and just really just communicating, orchestrating the, the protections, you know, identifying the mic. And uh, you're right, he did control, you know, the nose the whole game. So I'm excited about, you know, him moving forward. And I've always felt like, you know, the offensive line was going to be our strength. Coach, what statistics do you look at as to being a marquee, the benchmark for, hey, if we can control these uh, stats, whether it's third down percentage, whether it's red zone efficiency, uh, what stats do you look at to, to see if we can do these things, we would be successful in winning the game? Uh, I think, you know, I know everybody's put a premium on, on, on throwing the football and passing around. But to me, you know, you have to have a team that's going to at least try to rush for 100 yards. And on the flip side of that defense, you got to make sure that you keep them on 100. Uh, third down percentage, you got to be able to get off the field. Defense was looking to be around 33 percent, you know. Uh, that's always the key with us. And then in the red zone, you got to limit their opportunities, which, you know, uh, we're talking about takeaways and field goals there. Uh, situational football is so critical in this game. So uh, we always emphasize, you know, third down, red zone, and then two minutes. You've spent a, a lifetime coaching in various different ways, I'm sure, against Tom Brady. Was the key, again, uh, the ball comes out so quick, just getting that pressure up the middle, just impacting the pocket with him back there? Uh, he, he does a great job. I talked to the guys this week, and I think it was 2.3 that he's getting rid of the football. You know, so there's wow. times that, you know, you really can't get to him. Uh, you got to do a great job of getting your hands up. We emphasize really trying to create negative plays on first and second down because when they're third and long, eight plus, that's when he tries to push the ball down the field. And then now you feel like there's an opportunity where you can go after him because he's going to hold the ball a little longer. And, uh, you know, when it's those shorter distances, we try to do a great job within coverage. You know, we mix our coverage and we try to bracket. We try to, you know, double certain guys and those kind of things. Be positive to the man within your zone. So uh, he's seen so much, but I thought our guys – starting with Xavier Woods. You're just a leader back there, just really trying to disguise and uh, show him different looks. 
Coach, one of our coaches, Chuck Knox, who I played for, was a big fan of window dressing. Um, and I saw that a lot defensively. Can you explain what window dressing is and why that was so successful against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what you were able to do against Tom Brady? When you talk about window dressing, Eugene, it's really, you know, uh, showing the quarterback something pre-snap. Uh, and then as the uh, play clock winds down, you know exactly where they're going to snap the ball around four or five seconds and whatever you came up with from an analytical standpoint, that's when you get ready to move. And sometimes we even wait until the snap. So therefore now he has to process things on the run. You know, uh, most quarterbacks in this league, particularly a guy like Tom Brady, if you're sitting here showing your hand, he's just going to kill, kill. And, and, and kill, kill means he's killing the play and he's going opposite. So uh, it's very very critical that we do a great job in our disguise, and I thought we did that yesterday. Steve, through the first few games of the season, it felt like so many bounces were going against you. You go back to the, the Browns game, that, that face mask penalty on the final drive, which looked very questionable, and then uh, you know the, the, the spike, which um, <laughs> it could have been ruled as grounding. And, and there's so many of these plays that you just say, man, they, they didn't get a break, they didn't get a break. When Mike Evans dropped that ball in that very first quarter, was there a feeling on the sideline like, hey, we, we, we finally caught a break? Was there some sense of relief there? <coughs> Excuse me. I don't want to say it was a, a relief. I was definitely excited for sure. <laughs> but, uh, me but too, I, Coach. I think, yeah. <laughs> but I think when you really look at it from that perspective, I mean, it was still early. Um, and you felt like, you know, we still had a chance regardless of whether they got one there or not uh, to try to bounce back and get out of the hole a little bit. So, but, uh, you know, the, you know, it, it was great for us to get that break. I think uh, Kurt Coleman calls those long foul balls. Oh, yeah. Is what he, he calls like the, the baseball <laughs> term on that. We would love to have you uh, mic'd up on that play, what that reaction might have been like in that moment. You've already referred to uh, being 2-0 and in your press conference uh, in the division. And it's a very tight division right now with a division game coming up at Atlanta this week. Are you one of those folks that really looks at these in a different way that they count as two in the standings when you can knock off an opponent, a win for you and a loss for them? Uh, it's, it's definitely definitely counts as two. And, and when we came back from L.A., uh, that was one of the things I talked about. You know, we played a, a good game. We didn't finish. We did some good things there. Uh, but let's put this one to bed and understand, you know, three of the next four games, guys, are divisional opponents. And we can find ourselves right back here in the mix. But it's all about taking one at a time. And uh, we did that yesterday and focusing on Tampa Bay. We put those guys to bed today. And then now our focus is on Atlanta. So uh, I understand, um, you know, the importance of, of the divisional games and being here before. And that was really one of our themes um, Saturday night was, you know, make the jump and, uh, you know, showing previous and past uh, uh, games of Tampa Bay and how we dominated uh, and really won this division three three years in a row, which was the first time it had been done. Coach, can you uh, briefly talk about Xavier Woods? I think he was in great position a number of times. And also um, uh, Hartfield. I, I think he's having a quiet game that is just <laughs> – some outstanding plays. So can you talk about what those two have been able to give you during this time when Jeremy Chin is out? Well, Xavier is just what I consider to be. I use that cliche pros pro. Um, guy's extremely smart. You know, he's he sees the game through a different lens. Uh, the way he cr 
communicates out there, excuse me, is just phenomenal and getting guys aligned and putting them in the right position. You know, Miles is a guy that you can line him up anywhere. Yes. You know, he plays nickel for us. He plays safety. You know, I, I believe even if we get in the pinch, he can go out there and play corner. Uh, and, and, you know, you ask him to cover the tight end. He covers the slot receiver. So he's a jack of all trade. And, uh, you know, for, for Chan to be out and for those guys to step up with their play, man, it's been great. You know, one of the things I talked about today is that we cannot afford to miss opportunities. And I told Xavier in the team meeting and said, you know, you had a chance to separate yourself today, even position yourself as a Pro Bowl player because he had three interceptions. And I know sometimes, you know, we talk about that uh, and a guy may have gotten his hand on the ball. No, he had three drops. Yeah, And uh, we, we can't have that. Those are game-changing plays. And he realized that, um, you know, he, he would love to have those back. So needless to say that we're all on the jugs next week. Yes, get him on the jugs, Coach. Get him on the jugs. Coach, quickly, me and Anish, we were talking about that very same thing, about how you will separate yourself. If you make those interceptions, you got, you're got the talk of the league because you got two picks against Tom Brady, and then your confidence mm-hmm. goes through the roof. It does. It does. You know, particularly a guy that really doesn't throw a, a lot of uh, bad yeah. passes, you know. And, and I thought, again, going back to our disguise, that, that Xavier did a tremendous job. The pressure was getting there, and he was uh, through some things a little early. we got to capitalize off those and make those plays to change the game. Coach, before we let you go, one more on the ball that you got your hand on, the game ball from David Tepper. I know you said, you, you, you've said, hey, I don't want to make this about me, but um, can you take a moment just to reflect on what that moment and getting that first win as Panthers head coach meant to you? Well, it, it was a little surreal, you know, uh, being a Charlotte native and, and growing up here and having love and passion uh, for this organization in this city. Uh, you know, it meant a lot. But uh, again, I try not to keep the focus on me. Uh, I love those men in the locker room and their hard work and dedication. And, and I tell the coaches as well as myself, we got to do everything we can to pour into them, put these guys in position to be successful. And it was great to see. Not only us win the game, but in the fashion in which we did. And uh, I think this is just going to propel us to do some great things moving forward. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Coach Steve Wilkes, appreciate you. And I got a couple of ball exercises that Xavier can can use just to, <laughs> to help him out too. That was really helpful for me catching interceptions, Coach. I'm just saying. Well, well, you know, Eugene, you know, I have tremendous respect for you. You know that, you know, people who don't know, I came out of Appalachian State when I went to uh, Seattle. Yes. As a free, as a free agent, Eugene was there and uh, just loved the way he, he went about his, his, his work and his craft. Uh, so, yeah, we'll definitely take anything you can give us. Okay, indeed. <laughs> you just got a new job. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you, you putting coach. Eugene to work. Give him <laughs> yeah. a real job. Give him something to do. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Hey. Appreciate you guys. Take care now. Thanks. Panthers head coach Steve Wilkes getting his first win as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Special moment in the locker room as well. And it's funny because you asked the same question was asked in the press conference today in front of the big media. He just completely deflected it. But he was, you know, now now it's kind of like enough time has passed. That's pretty cool. I mean, he's from here. He grew up here. And uh, his coaching career began here when you think even about Johnson C. Smith. University, so it, it's got to mean something. But I understand his premise of, of being a leader and not wanting to make the conversation about him. But just to pause for a moment and reflect—that's a, that's a cool thing. You know, I go back to what David Tepper said you know, the day before Steve Wilkes had his introductory press conference, and David Tepper said, "If Steve Wilkes does an incredible job, now he's got a chance to be the head coach here." What we saw yesterday, yes, given the circumstances, essentially a fourth-string quarterback going up against Tom Brady. 
Christian McCaffrey traded away. Mm. Robbie Anderson traded Gone. away. No J.C. Horn. No Jeremy Chin. No Chin. Tom Brady does not throw a touchdown. The Bucks are held without a touchdown. That was incredible. That's a big W in Steve Wilkes' column. There's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he is really um, – when he was a third-game uh, down coordinator, and I always say this, third down is like the most important down that you have. It's the most important down. And if you can win third down, you offensively and defensively, you can win the game and whatnot. And I think that the fact that he's a third down coordinator, I, I think that helps him immensely. And people respect that in that locker room indeed. Or when we come back, we'll talk to one of the stars from Sunday. Jim had a chance to talk with Tommy Tremble, who had a big touchdown catch to seal that win against the Buccaneers. You're listening to Panther Talk. On the Carolina Panthers radio network. Brady the snap, fakes to Fournette. Brady's got time, sends it downfield, has a receiver wide open, and Mike Evans dropped the football. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers radio network. It was a surefire touchdown. Evans had beaten his man, dropped the football. Once it hit the ground, he picked it up, and in frustration, threw it toward the end zone. Producer David Langton can't start a fire without a spark. <laughs> without a spark. And sometimes it is a mistake by the other team that is the spark. I, I, again, from where we were sitting up there in the booth, and I don't know if you guys felt it too, that changed the entire temperature of the game. It was. It, it, it kind of felt to us, if he catches that and he goes, oh, no, here we go again. Yeah. And it was, hey, did did we just catch a break? Did, did something good happen? Is is the universe turning? Are we in the upside down? I mean, the Panthers hadn't scored a touchdown in the previous game, so you're thinking if they get seven there, it could take a week <laughs> to get to seven. I mean, it's just like how it had been going. But of course, this game turned completely differently as far as how yeah. the, the offense performed in this one as far as what they were doing against L.A. But uh, that was huge. And, yeah, you, you, I think, you know, there are, there are things. There's, there's the three phases of offense, defense, special teams. But I've always added a fourth phase, which is fortune, which is injuries that occur during a yes, season. Indeed. The other team, self-inflicted wounds, unforced errors, things like that. And as we know, sometimes that ball bounces against you, someone kicks that 58-yard field goal against you, things like that happen. And by the way, Cade York has done nothing close to that since he came out of Carolina week one. He's missed a lot of kicks, including this past week. So I think, um, yeah, that's great. Sometimes it takes a little bit of fortune. But again, this game was not close. I think in hindsight, they probably overcame that as well, the way that the game played out from that point. And also, it frustrates your quarterback. Think about Tom Brady. Tom Brady has thrown that ball on a post route. Millions of times. Well, guys, he drops it right in your hand. He dropped that ball right in Evans' hand, and he dropped it. He dropped the ball into a couple of receivers' hands, and they dropped it. What are you thinking about now going, I'm not throwing a ball to you, and I'm not throwing a ball to you. Well, apparently, and Xavier I'm Woods dropped three, but two, maybe he throws a bad ball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but here's the, the situation is that it frustrates your quarterback because that's something you should be capitalizing on. And now what we saw, we didn't see that ball go really down the field. We saw the ball go laterally, horizontal. We saw screens. We saw the ball go out on the sides. I'm like, man, this is this doesn't even seem like a Tampa Bay um, uh, 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 Tom Brady's team where he was forcing the ball down the field. It seems now everything is on the lateral, on the side. And I think it changed the way he played. And also – he was getting hit. Even though we only had one sack, he was being harassed in the pocket trying to get rid of the ball because he didn't want to get hit. So I want to pose you guys a question that somebody posed to me on a radio show earlier today. They asked me, do you think we saw the beginning 
of the end of Tom Brady. And, and, I, and I say this with the preface. I know we're about to go full talk radio here, right? We, we, we take something that we just saw and it turns into the thing that's at front of mind and we extrapolate it. But at the end of the day, he is 45 years old. 45. He's in the white winter of his career. We, we, we do know that. He's dealing with stuff off the field. We know that as well. But uh, Eugene, for the one of those rare glimpses, I mean, are we starting to see maybe Tom Brady showing his age? Not that there's anything wrong with it, but did, did we see that in front of our eyes on I, Sunday? I think it's the mystique of Tom Brady for defenders, for the defense, is like, I'm not afraid of you. Before, people were afraid of Tom Brady, all right? They're not afraid. And this year, this the way he's been playing, the way the team has been playing and the things have been going, it, sees, it shows that he's vulnerable and it shows that he's human and it shows that he's not making the plays that typically a Tom Brady makes. And it also shows that his his supporting cast is not helping him either too. So now I'm afraid of you and now that's where we see that little demise because I think that has to be a blow to his ego. First, has to be. First thing I think of before I even answer his question, I think of the Max Kellerman take from a couple of years ago <laughs> where he basically ended his career about three, four years ago yeah. that he was done. And it It's was, like when Alabama loses. The <laughs> dynasty is over. <laughs> but the reality is he is 45. I mean, now enough yeah. time has passed, and it's been not just yesterday. This has been a sample size of seven games of this season. And, you know, he did miss two weeks of preseason. He did go to Robert Kraft's wedding. He does have issues at home. Um, they are playing small ball. I mean, most of the stuff is not intimidating stuff that they're doing. The offensive line interior is not good. He does not have Gronk. So it does feel different. I think it, it very much is a team like you feel like if you get in front of them, he's not as capable of leading one of those dramatic 28-3 to comebacks. Ain't going to happen. Like I, we almost One more touchdown is going to be 28-3. to three. You go, yeah, Brady ain't coming down from this. How many times so. are we going to bring that up next week? Well, we got West Durham. We can start doing it in about oh, 10 minutes. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> you know, and also, don't forget, he's being hit. I, you know, I, I stopped playing when I was 38 years old. When I'm coming up to hit people, I'm like, dang it, man, that kind of hurt to say. Dang, that hurt. I'm like, dude, that starts to hurt. He's 45 years old. Yeah. I get out of getting the bed sometimes, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, man, when did I pull my hamstring? How did I pull my hamstring just getting out of bed? That's catching up to you, dude. I'm just saying. Yeah. And he's getting hit by Derek Brown. Uh, exactly. No mercy, Derek uh, Brown. This broadcast roundtable is brought to you by Sitco. Keep your engine clean. With Tri Clean Sitco Gasoline, Sitco, let's go together. So, uh, we will talk to West Durham, voice of the Atlanta Falcons, and, and Jim. Make sure to mention twenty-eight to three as often as you can. We will hear from Tommy Tremble coming up on the show. But real quick, I just want to look ahead because we talked about this at the very start of the show. Uh, remember last week when we talked about optics and, and, and the optics being you know not so good. Forty Nine er fans in the stadium, optics of Robbie yeah. Anderson. You know, angrily leaving the field, being basically sent home, and then the optics of the McCaffrey trade and the losses piling up. Now we're looking through a different side of the prism, which is Tampa Bay on Thursday plays Baltimore. And there is nothing about the Bucks, given their recent play, that leads you to believe they can win that game, especially now on short rest with an older team. The Panthers play the Falcons. And as crazy and as uh. insane as it sounds – it's not far-fetched where we're doing this show a week from today and we're talking about a Panthers team that's 3-0 and in the division and tied for first place and Jim holding the tiebreaker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like that old adage, you know, I don't have to outrun the bear, I just have to outrun you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's kind of what this is. You just have to win the division to get the automatic qualifier. There could be a wild card. 
probably coming out of the NFC South. So it's going to be a, a race between these four teams to see who gets uh, the golden ticket uh, to the playoffs. Oh, this is, isn't that wild? This, though? Is, this is wild. This is going to be exciting because I think I think that being such an underdog, I think that the Panthers are poised to be in that position to go ahead and sneak it and take it. And and also nobody's a blockbusters here in the in the division. And since there's no blockbusters in the division. Why can't you be the guy? I always just say this, man. Why can't I be that guy? Who, who says that Jerry Rice is supposed to beat me, or 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 or, or I can't tackle um, uh, Marshall Falk or whoever? Who, where's that written? Bo at? Jackson. Yeah. You want to go there again? Yeah, Bo Jackson. I know. My goodness, he's stiff on me, man, all the way down to the ground. But but who says I can't be the guy to make a difference? And I've always believed that. That hey, why can't you be the team? You write your own story. You write that narrative. And I tell you what. I like Coach Wilts because I think Coach Wilts is writing a narrative behind the scenes. Pretty good one and a pretty good chapter written this weekend. We're back on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. This is Panther Talk, brought to you by Coke, official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers. Walker the snap, fires downfield, Tommy Trebles open, makes the catch, touchdown, Panthers! Um, you could just see the fight in the guys. You could tell there wasn't no tanking involved in with the, in this locker room right here. Um, just the just the fight and the mentality these guys came in with this weekend on on our approach. You know, losing Christian on Friday or whatever day we lost them uh, Thursday night. It was it was it was it was tough for me to just sit there. You know, because we, we game plan for Christian throughout this week, and uh, not knowing he would he would not be here. You know, I think the offense came out and did a, a great job executing. And just playing the game. Back to Anish Roth, Eugene Robinson, and Jim Zoki with Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Panthers tight end Tommy Tremble is in his second season with the team after being a third-round draft choice out of Notre Dame. In fact, he helped the Irish reach the ACC championship game versus Clemson at Bank of America Stadium in 2020. Best Buddies is the world's largest organization dedicated to ending the social, physical, and economic isolation of the 200 million people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Tammy Medlock is the state director for North Carolina, and the Medlock's son, Clay, has formed a special bond with Tommy Tremble. More on that in just a moment, but first I asked him about Panthers football and the transition under interim head coach Steve Wilkes. I think uh, the team's taking it really well. We're here to work. You know, it's our job to do that. And I think really what uh, Coach Wilkes is exemplifying is just to keep working you know what I mean like job's not done season's not over it's still time to work so I think that's what really our mentality is uh, the rest of the season and obviously offensively the one thing I know you guys all want although the blocking component is big is that passing game I know you all want to see that to come together at a higher level right Mm -hmm. yes sir but you know in due time that's how we we trust the process you know we want to make sure we get everything good up front first because nothing can work without that so Really, as long as we're winning games, I don't care how many stuff we do or how much passing games we get. Coach Wilkes uh, singled out you know, DJ Moore for having a great game blocking. Do you guys kind of collectively pride yourselves on that component of the game, that, that stuff that maybe goes unseen by the fans and so forth? Yeah, that's something we're really prideful in. You know, we want to get anybody the opportunity to score or anybody the opportunity to make a play, and if our block can be critical for that, we'd love to do it every single time. I'll ask you about a program here called Best Buddies, and uh, you know, my wife and myself are involved with that, and the Medlock family, Tammy Medlock, I know you know Clay Medlock, their son. But uh, what does that program mean to you as far as just your involvement in that, and what brought you into that? Yeah, um, I've had a close family friend, Eric Habelow. He's actually going to be at the event next Friday, um, the 28th, and so he uh, had pretty severe Down syndrome growing up. I've known him since I was two years old, and so... Um, 
one thing I knew when I was getting ready to come to the NFL and be able to have that kind of public uh, impact was definitely when I met with best buddies before the pre-draft. And ever since then, they're an amazing program. Met with Clay, actually, before I even got drafted here, the Medlock son. And uh, he told me I was going to be a Panther before I even got here. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm a Panther, just like he said. He came to the game about two weeks ago. I got him little sideline passes, saw him after, man. I'm glad he's doing good, but I love that program, man. It's a lot of good people there who, who care. There's a lot of people who say they care, and those are people who really do care. And that's why I love working with them, man. They had that outdoor walking event a few months ago. I saw you there briefly at that as well. What kind of impact here in Charlotte have you seen from just that connection and being a part of that? I think really them trying to just outreach to everyone here. They really seem like a community. It's not just like they singled out their individual people that they want to help. Anyone in the city of Charlotte, around the city of Charlotte, you're welcome to come to any of the events. That's what it feels like. It feels like a family, and that's what I really love about them. And you grew up outside of Atlanta, correct? Yes, sir, right outside of Atlanta. And that's that game coming up. Your next road trip will be Atlanta. Is that uh, Obviously, you had it last year, but is that kind of special to get back down into that area for a game coming up? Yeah, we're excited, man. Me and my family are really excited. We're about, shoot, 30 minutes away from the stadium itself, so we're ready. Always great to visit. Thanks, Tommy. Yes, sir. Thank you. The Best Buddies Champion of the Year Gala event that Tommy was talking about is coming up this Friday evening at the Fillmore in Charlotte. You can visit the website bestbuddies.org for more information and on how to get involved. More on Panther Talk coming up after this. This is Panther Talk, brought to you by Atrium Health, because you deserve to live your best life, and we're here to help. Walker in the gun, more now slot left. Here's the snap, pressure off the edge, they run it to Hubbard, he's got the 10, 5, up the middle, touchdown, Panthers! I think we talk about, you know, the act of a champion, that's the one thing that I put in place, because I believe that in my personal life as well as my professional life, and that is accountability. Uh, commitment and trust and regardless of what happens you know we got to have that level of commitment to one another uh, that we still going to go out and get the job done and that's what those guys did this week and you saw that accountability today in our performance and you can see the trust that we're building with one another you know on the field off the field knowing that your brother's going to be there for you uh, he's going to be accountable for his actions and trying to get the job done and you know everybody was using the word tanking and I told the guys right here, that, that's not part of my DNA. You know, that's not part of your DNA. We come in here every day. We're professionals, and our name is on this. So, you know, we're going to go out and do everything we can to turn this thing around and, fo- and win football games. And, uh, again, I can't be uh, more excited and proud of a group of men than I am those guys in that locker room. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Anish Shroff, Jim Zoki, Eugene Robinson, Panther Talk continues. Division game this weekend. Carolina heads to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta to take on the Falcons. And we are now joined by the voice of uh, the Atlanta Falcons, good friend of mine, good friend of Jim's, uh, Wes Durham. Uh, Wes, uh, you and I are on a similar, similar travel schedule, so what's the, uh, what's, what's the flight path to Atlanta for you this weekend? Uh, Sunday morning from Louisville. All right, so you know we'll see what happens. So he's coming Sunday morning what from time Louisville. You, what time you want? I mean, one time I brought Gene Decker off from the airport. To the stadium. What time <laughs> well, Gene's got the easy schedule now with Florida State in his rearview mirror. Well, I was going to yeah, say we no can kidding. share a lift from the airport. So I'm, I'm getting in from what Iowa time? about eight thirty in the morning. Eight thirty. What time? Nine thirty. Eight thirty. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll wait on you. You can That's share an what Uber. What kind of guy I am, Eugene? Oh, <laughs> look at that. All Uber. right. No, you can ride with me from my park and fly location. Oh, okay. okay. Right. Right. Next level. Well, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll take care of you. All right. Well, Wes, we'll see you this weekend. But th- this Falcons team, <laughs> with the exception of last week, really against this past Sunday against Cincinnati, uh, they've been in every game. They've been a bit of a surprise given what preseason expectations were. Uh, from your standpoint, what what surprised you most about you know these first seven games with Atlanta? I think the one thing that that probably catches most people the first time they see them is number one how dynamically they've changed the run game uh, in in a very short period of time, uh, and the second part is is that they don't cash in. I mean, they play all the way through like they did yesterday, even when it was you know pretty much from the mid third quarter on, it was an eighteen point game. And Atlanta was still, you know, grinding um, because earlier in the year they fell behind big at L.A. against the Rams and and were able to kind of scratch back late. They obviously, you know, have done it to win. They gave up a two-touchdown lead the week before uh, yesterday and against San Francisco at home. It was 14 nothing, then it was 14-all, and they continued to run the ball. Tampa, even when they fell behind really early in Nice, they, they kept running the football. And – in all honesty, it's it's kind of become, you know, the personality of this football team. And, you know, they they don't have a dominant playmaker with Patterson out. Uh, when he's healthy, he's been very good for them. But I think probably the one thing people are most surprised about is a team for the last four years or five years that couldn't run the ball across the street, quite frankly, is now running it as well as anybody in the NFL. That's number one for sure. Well, let's uh, uh, flip to the offensive side of the ball. I mean, uh, offside of the ball, but the receiving core. And I've always sure. known that you know, my time with Atlanta and thinking about Atlanta, they always had top receivers, Julio Jones, Roddy White. Who are the guys mm-hmm. that are now stepping up, Wes, and, and, and making that splash at the receiving core for the Atlanta Falcons? You know, Eugene, I think the thing about it is is that this is the probably the biggest evolution at wide receiver I've seen in 19 years doing the games. Because when I got here, they had Peerless Price, right? Yes. And then they drafted Roddy White. And then they drafted Julio Jones. Well, with the Calvin Ridley situation being what it was a year ago and then certainly all of this year because of the -the off-the-field stuff, they're in a situation now where Kyle Pitts is exclusively, you know, that, that guy. And then they go and draft Drake London. So I would tell you that we are in the early stages of what Atlanta's new flight game is going to be. Um, you know, Alameda Zacchaeus, a kid from Virginia who was a college free agent, deserves a tremendous amount of credit for taking advantage of all the things that have kind of gone on around him and allowing him to go through some player development where he's become a, a pretty serviceable guy. But Atlanta, Atlanta, like I said a moment ago, does not have that dominant playmaker if Cordero Patterson's not healthy. I would tell you that there are now more often than not formations that you guys will see it this week, but you probably see it in your week in your prep leading up to it, where they put now Kyle Pitts and um, Drake London on the same side of the field. And I'm curious to see where that goes because Arthur Smith is always evolving the offense. But but I would tell to you that tell you that I think they took Drake London for a reason because mm-hmm. he's six five and he's two eighteen and he can really run and he's an athlete. I mean, he's a terrific basketball player. In fact, he had you know, top 25 offers out of high school to go play college basketball. And he shows that athleticism a lot. But here in the last couple of weeks, it's been a struggle for him. I mean, Pitts obviously caught the touchdown pass against San Francisco. London has had a harder time in the middle of this schedule than I think uh, some of us anticipated. 
Wes, it's Zoke. We've watched a lot of this football through the years, and of course, you remember 2014, yeah. where seven, eight, and one by the Panthers was good enough to win the division. So, depending on what yeah. happens Thursday, we've been talking about with the uh, the Ravens and the Bucks. We could be seeing you on Sunday with the division championship on the line. Three and four versus two and five. What is going on in the NFC South? Well, hey, like you and I are the only ones that know that if something like that were to happen, we need like Bob Cottle and, you know, David Crockett to come down and like hand a belt out or something. I mean, this is not, you know, this, this is going to get really interesting. In fact, I, on the plane back last night from Cincinnati, I looked at Arch and I said, you know, if, if things if things bounce the right way on Thursday night with the Ravens and Buccaneers, the Panthers are two and zero in the division. <laughs> they, your two wins are the Bucks and the Saints, and Atlanta's two two of Atlanta's four losses are the Bucks and the Saints, right? Mm. And elsewise, we virtually, with the exception I think of the Bengals yesterday, we've about played everybody, you know, pretty much across the board. We played San Francisco. You guys yep. played the Rams too. I mean, we got the Bengals know, after you. We got the Bengals in between yeah, the Atlanta Falcon sandwich. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's kind of weird the way this has worked out. And now all of a sudden, here's a two and zero division team playing an zero and two division team who's got one more win than them. I mean, it's yeah. I uh, I fully expect Sunday to be kind of for the lead in the division in a weird way. And uh, you know what, it, it, Jim, you've seen more of these than I have. It, it'll be interesting to see if it comes down to something crazy like even the first meeting, right? Um, the very yeah. first meeting in September of 95 where I was actually at the game in the Georgia Dome watching uh, watching that. And, and I'm uh, I'm curious to see. We've seen – I mean, I, it's funny. I talked to Chris Winkie about two weeks ago when I had Georgia Tech, and we talked about, I guess it was the New Year's Day game where D'Angelo Williams was in the shotgun and the Wildcat. The Wildcat, yep. At the Georgia – yeah. I mean, so why wouldn't the Panthers and Falcons have just a bottle of weird up on yeah. the shelf? We threw the ball five times, everything. five times in that whole game. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. It was stupid. And, you know, Atlanta lost the game, and I laughed about it a couple of weeks ago with Winky, but it, it actually kind of fits the way the old I-85 battle goes. I think it's the happiest I ever saw John Fox was after that game because being a defensive <laughs> guy, that was his version of offense was all defense, no offense. Yeah. it was. Uh, it, but you know this. We've had some crazy ones, right? I mean – Think about it. Atlanta comes up there with Bobby Petrino that one time, and Joey Harrington doesn't complete many passes. And I know Eugene remembers this. Joey Harrington hit Algie Crumpler on like a, a <laughs> yes. theme route. That's right. In the final, what, two and a half minutes of the game, Atlanta couldn't beat 11 kids playing in a cul-de-sac <laughs> by then, and they found a way to win the game. That's and, right. you know, the D'Angelo Williams Wildcat game. I mean, it's just, Anish, way do you see this thing happen. I mean, it's it is completely weird what goes on with these two. In fact, look at it. The road team has won yeah. the last five in a row. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're just gonna we're just gonna brand this the Sickos Committee Game of the Week. Is that what we want to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I eighty five is always under construction through South Carolina, so we might as well just go ahead and you know, <laughs> it's the under construction game given kind of the landscape of where both these teams are and in some sort of rebuild process, depending on how you want to pick it out. Hey, Wes, real quick, before I let you go, the one thing I'm real disappointed about in this game coming up, there's one player on the Falcons you know I wanted to see, and he's on injured reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, tell the people yeah. Jared Bernhardt's story. Give us the Cliff Notes version. I, I, I got to tell you, it's still to me, in fact, yesterday I was asked about it, uh, a niece by a big lacrosse guy who lives in the Baltimore area was at the game in Cincinnati. Uh, Jared Bernhardt essentially was the Heisman Trophy lacrosse player at the University of Maryland. 
he won the Tawarton Award, which goes to the best college lacrosse player. And they have a male and a female honor, and he was that guy. In fact, you could argue, and Anish, I guess you know far better than I do, he's arguably one of the better lacrosse players of the last decade. Oh, no doubt. And, All-time player at Maryland. Yeah. 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 So, essentially, Eugene, this guy cashed in his lacrosse stick and went to Ferris State, which happens to be one of the top Division two teams in the country in college football, and decided to play quarterback there. And they won a national championship, and he set records at wow. Ferris State, who's got a terrific program as a quarterback. So that athleticism as a lacrosse player and a quarterback led him as a college free agent to Atlanta in a CFA deal. He comes to training camp, and the guy just works. I mean, he is a worker, like Wes Welker, Julian Edelman worker. And in the first preseason game, uh, Desmond Ritter, Atlanta's backup quarterback, kind of flings one toward the end zone to beat Detroit. And he catches it. And it's a terrific play by him to come back and make the play at the goal line with the ball and everything else. He ends up having a great camp. He makes the 53. Amazingly makes wow. it. I mean, and I'm telling you, lacrosse people are like, and Anish will tell you, going crazy. Well, unfortunately for him, a couple of weeks ago, he got hurt in practice. And um, it, it magnified itself in the game. And now he's on injured reserve. But He's one of those guys that, you know, if you see him, you're going to go, well, wait, okay, what's the big deal? And then you watch him in a, in a practice or a game, and he's forever around the ball. His instincts as an athlete, I don't care what he'd be playing, ballroom dancing for all I care, his instincts are unbelievable on the football field. He's just got tremendous smarts and tremendous athleticism. And I hope after this, uh, this season's over, he's got a future Certainly in Atlanta, but somewhere in the NFL for sure. Yeah, great story. Wes, appreciate you, buddy. And, um, yeah, I'll text you when I land on Sunday. Sounds like a plan to me. You guys have a great week. Look forward Thanks, to Wes. Thanks, Sunday, Wes. Okay? No it. doubt. Thank you, Wes. You Wes Durham, voice of the Atlanta Falcons. Panther Talk continues here on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Anish Raf, Jim Zoki, Eugene Robinson, final segment here on Panther Talk. Uh, let's run to, through a couple of items quickly. Let's start, Eugene, P.J. Walker. Um, he got the start this past weekend, second start in a row. They opened up the offense a little more. Steve Wilkes says he's going to start again. When Baker and Sam are ready, um, are, you, are you riding with P.J. still? I'm riding with the guy who's getting, getting touchdowns and who's helping us win. And if that's P.J., yes, I'm riding with P.J. There was a play that P.J. did in the game where uh, I believe the, the defensive end was coming on, on his right-hand side. He's going to throw the ball to, his, to that side of the field. And instead of throwing it over the top, he did a sidearm underneath the guy's arm. And I said, wow, that's exactly what I want the quarterback to do because typically we've seen Baker, he'll throw that ball and he's throwing it overhand and it's getting knocked down. He recognized the guy was going to put his hands up. And what he did – he kind of sidearm flicked it, Joe Montana, Mahomes style. And I said, that's what you need to do. That's how you open up the passing lane, get the ball. And I think we ended up picking the first down that. That was emblematic of how good this young man can be. And don't forget, the Trimble uh, touchdown. And that dot he threw to, uh, to DJ Moore in the back of the end zone. What? Dude, so I'm saying, look, let him eat. Let him eat. I'm riding with the guy that's getting us there. We've been around long enough to know too that there, there's also there's Matt Moore's, and so there are guys that come in. I mean, he could he would have come into Panther talk, and he could have ran for mayor, could have ran for governor, and uh, and but so you have to sustain that, and so we'll see. I mean, the truth is, we will see. It was a great game. We'll see. 
as teams get more tape and collect on P.J. Walker, does that, Eugene, make it a little bit more challenging in terms of now is what you've seen Deontay Foreman in this offense, you've seen Chuba more in this offense, P.J. Walker, does that make it a little bit more challenging next week now as there's a little bit more evidence? It will because there's more evidence that they're sitting on, t- or sitting on tape and they'll see the nuances, idiosyncrasies that he likes. They'll be able to pick that up. But I like the fact that I think this young man is just at the beginning of being – Really, really good, and his confidence is only going to grow the more he uh, quarterbacks. I, I read something, and, and this sounds like a, a Paul Simon song a little bit. It was uh, graffiti uh, on the side of the wall a couple of weeks ago. Where was I? Bloomington, Indiana. I wrote it down. Try again, fail again, fail better. Like it. Right? Oh, like it. That's outstanding. Like it. Maybe it was a urinal. I don't know where I saw it. <laughs> it was a urinal. Man, you just blew the whole thing in this. <laughs> My goodness. That does it for Panther Talk. Falcons, Panthers. Man, you had me. Dude. This weekend in ATL. This has been Panther Talk. Brought to you by Atrium Health. Because you deserve to live your best life, and we're here to help. Bank of America, official bank of the Carolina Panthers. Coke, official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers. Panther Talk. Panther Talk. Panther Talk. This is the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.